you have kids varying in ages from 6 to 12. You have a number of kids with their schedules. You have teachers that also have schedules. Then you have their interests layered on top of that and how to teach them in a systematic way that fits into some sort of curriculum that we have very well defined behind the scenes. That's a really hard problem to crack and that's what we've cracked at Cypher. Hey everyone and welcome to For the Love of Product, brought to you by the Product-Led Alliance. I'll be your host, Tiama Hanson-Drury, Chief Product Officer at Mina Technologies and all-around passionate product aficionado. Each episode, we'll be looking at the head and the heart behind product-led growth, the passion and the practice of product, and we'll be picking the brains of seasoned CPOs and heads of products, as well as visionary founders and investors getting their inside stories. Thank you so much for joining us today for another episode of uh, For the Love of Product. I'm really excited to have an amazing founder and uh, the CEO of Cypher Coders, Elizabeth Tweedale, with me today. A little bit about Cypher Coders is they are on a mission to teach kids coding uh, via online and on-location camps and clubs. A bit about Elizabeth. She is American-born but living in London, and she's been named the Female Entrepreneur of the Year by Club Hub 2020 and also the coolest UK female founder in tech in 2021 by UK Tech News. Cypher itself is a Forbes top four ed tech startup, and Elizabeth is an award-winning author of books teaching kids how to code. Her most recent book is covering Python and how that's linked to careers. She also is a creator of patented AI technology and a mom to three. Elizabeth, thank you so much for joining us on For the Love of Product. Thank you so much for having me. I'm excited to be here. We're really excited to have you. And I'm super excited to dive into, um, I have to say, a story that is not what everybody has been able to achieve during COVID. And it'll be really interesting to hear more about you because you guys really uh, were searching for kind of that product market fit in that scale. And unlike many businesses where COVID kind of forced them to take a pivot in a different direction, COVID was really an accelerator for you guys. Um, Can you tell us a little bit about that? Yeah, sure. Um, Well, I guess before COVID, we were really teaching all of our courses um, in person. So kids would come to our camps and it would be that sort of fun American style camp, but teaching coding with creative themes like architecture, fashion or conservation. Um, And then, as you can imagine, when the pandemic hit and everything essentially got canceled overnight, we had to determine what are we going to do? We had this amazing content. We have this amazing vision of getting all children ready for that technological future. And how are we going to do that? And so we transitioned within about 48 hours, all of our courses online um, and converted our existing parents instead of losing around 40,000 pounds to our online courses instead. Um, and uh, yeah, it was a, a real roller coaster ride, but that's uh, it in a nutshell. It's impressive. Uh, I mean, I love kind of one of the things that you were talked about is where you guys were right before the pandemic and kind of the the question that you were tackling around scale, right? Um, And how COVID actually allowed that scale to happen in a way that you never would have thought was possible, you know, in February, January of last year. Yeah, absolutely. And I think um, if we had flashback to January 2020, we were actually part of the um, started EdTech Accelerator in the US, which is really exciting. But our entire focus for the next year was going to be converting our over 650 hours of content and amazingly creative um, way of learning coding online so that we could um, 
present that as better access to teachers and um, educators around the world. So it really did shift our focus entirely because of what was happening uh, globally. Yeah, and I, I think one of the things that you said when we were first meeting that really makes sense to me is that, you know, if you would go back to, like you said, January 2020, telling a parent that they should send their kid to, you know, their six-year-old kid to a coding school online via Zoom is just something that was not even in the realm of, of possibility, but that's really changed now. Yes, absolutely. And I think if you had asked parents in January, will you send your child to a violin class, but they're going to do it on Zoom or learn how to dance on Zoom or learn how to code on Zoom, most of us would say, yeah, no, I'm, I'm not going to do that. I'll just go down to my local church hall or the school and they'll learn that way. So COVID really enabled us to be a part of uh the household and brought us into um, the the lives of the parents, which was a real turning point for us. And we had this amazingly new feedback from parents that we had never had before. I think before COVID, you know, we had done all of these amazing things with the children in our camps in person and fed that back to our parents with photos, feedback, emails, you know, reports, every way that we thought we could get back to the parents to say, this is how amazing your kids are. And this is the amazing thing we're doing. But as soon as we actually transitioned online and had classes in the home where parents could see what the kids were doing, they were absolutely shocked at how in-depth kids at a very young age can understand technology, manipulate technology and create these amazing things using code and um, coding. So our feedback from parents just skyrocketed <laughs> from there. Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, it, it makes a lot of sense as well, not only why suddenly that model is okay, but also how um, much more insight these parents get into what kids do. Because you're right, when kids go off to you know summer camp, for example, right? Yeah, maybe there's a piece of art that they bring home, or maybe you get a few words from the kids at dinner table about how it went, but you really don't understand necessarily how they're spending their time. And I think coding is something that for a lot of parents isn't something they know firsthand. So there's probably a lot of education that's happening there uh, on both accounts. Absolutely. And I think that is a great point. And it really opened our eyes to how our product probably would have been perceived before COVID and after COVID. And, you know, I probably wouldn't have been one to admit it beforehand, but it, before COVID, we probably would have been more considered a tech-enabled childcare business that had this amazing vision attached to it. But like you said, Tiamat, when the kids come home, half the time, you know, they'll say, oh yeah, I don't think I ate lunch or I'm pretty sure I didn't do any coding, mummy. And so we, you know, get calls from the parents and we're like, no, no don't you worry, there was coding, this is what they did, but that's a great reaction. <laughs> so it is one of those things that until they saw it in the household, um, it, it was very difficult to comprehend it. It was more of just coding's a buzzword. I know that's important. You guys look like a great, amazing, reputable company, send them your way. And then after the fact, I think it's partially seeing what's happening yourselves, but also because so many parents had to homeschool themselves, because of the pandemic, they also had such an amazing appreciation 
for teaching that was done well. And because we have live online teaching, so it's not just put your kids in front of this game and they're going to do something and they're going to learn how to code or they're going to learn a bit more about math or English, but are engaging teachers on the other side of the screen that could actually keep their six-year-old glued to their chair for 90 minutes and super engaged and not wanting to come off afterwards was sort of a huge, uh, hugely amazing things for parents to appreciate as well. So that was an added benefit of homeschooling that all parents undertook. Absolutely. And I think you guys have uh, achieved that kind of going back to your January being at the EdTech uh, startup, you know, or accelerator, you guys have achieved kind of your ambitions of scaling, right? I think you guys are in the middle of fundraising um, for a round right now. Is that right? Yep. Yep. So we're uh, just in the middle of a a crowdfund campaign now, which is live on Cedars, uh, which has been really exciting because it's also bringing that knowledge that now all parents and just the general public has around education and how to educate children properly or potentially um, using these online tools uh, behind them. And I think Cypher has the added advantage of our extremely strong brand and reputable brand and all of that amazing content that we built over the past four years to now be able to take that sort of nugget that we had and scale it very rapidly based on what sort of come out of this pandemic. Yeah, I thought that was an interesting piece, right? You you mentioned that one of the things you had was kind of this latent asset that you guys, you know, had created, right? These 650 hours long lessons, but they hadn't really been monetized at scale. Um, what are what are the plans for that? Yeah, so um this past year, I think one of the most interesting things that um we've seen and which really kind of justifies how well-received our our lesson plans are and our content is, is that 50% of all of our new customer acquisitions come recommended by a friend. And so actually what that means is this past year, we saw students from over 21 countries coming to our courses. And now we were not advertising to 21 countries. Let me tell you, I think we spent a grand total of 5,000 pounds on Facebook ads focused on the UK. So it was really that referral rate from our parent group and from our parent body that has actually started to create that network effect. And so raising funds now will enable us to put that into action at a bigger scale and to roll out the other, you know, customer acquisition avenues that we're having and that we've seen and trialed and tested to be able to um, roll that out globally. But we're really systematically approaching the UK and the US first and foremost in a kind of a detailed pattern. Uh, of rollout, if that makes sense. Yeah, it really does. And I mean, it, when I think about your guys' business model, it's almost like, um, you know, I, I think it it almost seemed like it was almost a B2B to C play before, but this seems to be allowing you to kind of move into more of a B2C, direct to consumer. Yes, absolutely. I think um, one of the, the barriers for scaling previously was that B2B to C model. So we have a great advantage when we create relationships with schools where we will hold an after school club, a coding club there, for example, and then they essentially market our um, courses to their parents, which are the end customers. So it's great because that's a very sticky business model and you have that relationship with that, that school, that the business for a long time, and they then have a steady flow of new students coming in. So great to set up, but each one of those takes significant amount of time to to set up whereas 
this direct-to-consumer model that we're seeing through the online market means that we can scale rapidly at a very quick rate. And we've also just taken on a chief product officer as well. Um, so that's going to be really exciting in terms of accelerating our growth and making sure that all of that vision um, stays intact as we scale both the platform and the, the marketing and um, growth side as well. Well, you know that we're going to be excited to talk about your your vision for what the CPO will do. Um, I think one thing we'd love to do before we go down that path, though, is actually to take a step back and understand a little bit about why you started this. I, you know, I know that you're a serial entrepreneur, um, and I know that you were very clear because of your expertise from a technology perspective about what you wanted to build and how it would be different. But tell our listeners a little bit about your journey um, to founding Cypher and, and why, you know, it is what it is. Yeah, definitely. Um, I think you, you touched on a great point. I think the core vision behind Cypher is to educate that the next generation to become future ready. And what that really means is how do we teach them about coding, about technology, and not for the reason to create a world of little, little computer scientists, that's ridiculous, but actually everyone will need to be able to understand how to code and how to leverage technology for whatever problems that they want to solve in the future. And I was working in architecture, um, I have a master's in architecture and um, saw a lot of my contemporaries teaching themselves how to code, but really running up against barriers and blocks because they didn't understand the base fundamentals of computer science. So I thought, you know what, this is something that everyone is going to have to learn. Uh, it doesn't matter if you own a tea company or you're a doctor, across the board, everyone needs to understand the fundamentals. So let's give it a go. Then I started looking around and thought, you know, computer science has only ever been taught at the university level. So how do we actually teach this subject to kids? And what's going to keep them engaged and coming back and not just focus on that, you know, 1% of techie gamer kids. That was me as a child that we're going to become computer scientists, whether you help us or not, because we love it. <laughs> but what about the other 99% of them? Um, what's going to get them excited? And so looking at things like popular culture and creativity and things like that is really where this vision started uh, with Cypher. And then it became... Uh, the problem of, okay, I have this great vision to get all kids educated. So now what do I need to do? Well, then I built a business to be able to be the vessel to deliver that. And, and that initial business was this camp model or the, the, I like to think of it as a, essentially an event planning business because you can hold the event once, but then you can hold that same event across 300 or 500 venues and you're teaching the same content to um, a multitude of different audience members, little little humans in our case. Um, and so so really it was the business was actually built to support the vision. But that was where the interesting thing came with COVID was that although we don't we don't want to, you know, throw that baby out with the bathwater, as you say, that that business that we built, but actually we we had to build a whole new product to take forward that vision. So our vision really was the strong thing that and the glue that held the team together and held the business together to transition very quickly and build that new product to go to market. I love that. And I mean, you started in 2016. So the journey that you speak about has, has stretched over those times. Uh, was it really, you know, 
was the was the major pivot that came at COVID um, when you realized this is a scale a scalable approach to kind of go beyond the B two B C model, or were there other pivots that happened along the way? I think um, that was the main pivot. I think we were at a point where um, I had worked out a lot of the processes for scaling that B2B to C model. So we were ready to roll that out, which is we took on board our chief operations officer, Jody, uh, two years ago, and she really was fundamental in kind of setting up those operations as well. So I knew that that was also in good hands to allow me to focus on what is the next thing we're going to do with this. And that's why in 2020, January, I was thinking, okay, the next thing is let's leverage this content piece that we have. Um, so. I think we left, we had the business to a point where it was, you know, that was a sturdy business. It's still there. It can easily be turned back on, which is essentially what we're doing now that COVID's being hopefully getting to back to some sort of normalcy. Um, and that, that piece has all of the processes into place, for example, teacher onboarding, teacher training, content creation, and how that's a rolling schedule, uh, as well as the, the customer acquisitions. And, even down to this nitty gritty of target schools and the rollout plan across the UK. So that was sort of in hand. And I thought, okay, what is the next thing we're focusing on? So it wasn't really until COVID or just before that we were starting to think about what's the next stage of growth, growth what's the next stage of scale. Uh, but like I said, transition from thinking about putting the content online to actually just teaching online. Absolutely. So, you know, uh, understanding at a high level what the product is today, talk to us a little bit more about the detail, right? Uh, you know, what ages of kids are you targeting and what languages do you cover and what does uh, education look like? Uh, you know, what's the way that you're productizing this? Yeah, great. Sure. Uh, so we really uh, target children between the ages of six and 12. I think the interesting thing is if you look at a lot of competition out there, um, we estimate that with our, our main competition around 70% of that six to 12 age range market isn't even being addressed by our competition because most of them are focusing on you know, one of two pillars, either that really technical specific learn JavaScript 101, learn JavaScript 102, or that sort of nine to 18 year old market. So not even any of that kind of key stage one, key stage two, or, you know, US grade school, early middle school um, target age. And so I think that is where there's a huge differentiator here with Cypher is that our creative themes mean that we have different um, subjects that the children uh, are exposed to each camp or each club that they come to. So one camp, they, they might come to us, for example, and it'll be all about ocean conservation. The, the flip side, our, or our competition might say, oh, come learn about drones programming. Now, you're going to get a certain type of kid at a drones programming course, let's just face it. But you're going to get a huge, broad spectrum of kids if you're talking about ocean conservation, because everyone loves that. And then we might actually end up teaching them the same sort of thing, how drones are being used to find and collect plastics in the ocean. So this is how we program a drone and this is how the programming works. Great. So you get to the same end goal, but you get children much more engaged. And another um, point to your question about languages, which is really interesting as well, is that's the beauty of the Cypher system as well, because we've researched 
how a six-year-old, eight-year-old, 10-year-old, 12-year-old learns different concepts and therefore have applied different languages to solve different types of problems that we'll be presenting them with. So we have a lot of parents come to us and say, should my child learn Python or should I be teaching them JavaScript or HTML or what's the CSS thing? I think it's related to HTML, but I'm not quite sure. And with Cypher, we can just say, send them to us and we'll take care of the rest. So essentially we have a way to transition them from block-based coding such as Scratch or Blockly, where essentially you can think of it as um, programming languages that have the code inside of little Lego blocks that you virtually stack together. So children don't actually have to type it out. The value of this is they can understand very quickly the syntax behind code because it actually plugs together in the same way and it, it kind of indents and outdents the same sort of way that actual code works. So then the transition theoretically to uh, text-based coding is much more straightforward. But then we also get them over that hurdle of learning how to type because that's a huge barrier when it comes to, you know, a kid that's ready to learn Python and the concepts behind Python, but they can't actually type properly. So they will get very frustrated and hate coding very quickly if they can't type at least five lines of code within 20 minutes, because that's what you need minimum to get something out of your, of your project. Um, so then when we transition them to those text-based languages, we will vary things between Python, JavaScript, or anything in between so that they have a really broad range of languages and then start to actually understand the core fundamentals of how coding languages are built up so that they can move freely and confidently between all of those to solve whichever problem they might be looking at at one time or another in their lives. It sounds fantastic. And I mean, I, I'm laughing because I think there's probably a fair amount of adults who would find some of these courses to be interesting themselves. Uh, because as you alluded to, right, the parents, the adults, a lot of times they have no clue uh, what the coding, you know, language is or how to leverage it. Um, and it sounds a lot more fun to learn about how to apply to a creative problem than really learning just the technical approach, right? Yeah. Absolutely. It's it's much more applicable for the long term and engages them for lifetime learning. That way. Absolutely. Okay, so let's talk about the long term. You you recently have hired a chief product officer. And why did you make that decision now? Well, I think um, now is a great, great time in Cypher because we've launched our initial platform, which not only um, manages the back end classrooms and allocating teachers to students and automating all of our um, communications between parents and teachers and um, bringing that whole piece together. But actually the next stage of our journey is transitioning to a subscription-based model. Uh, we have such amazing repeat customer behaviors um, at every one of our courses. Over half of our students are, are repeat customers. I think one in three of our students have done three courses or more. So our parents are, um, they come back, they love coming back, but by offering a subscription, we can then access a whole nother range of parents that might not necessarily be able to afford our courses upfront, but pay over time as an example. And again, just be able to engage with our students on a longer term lifetime journey of their learning. So as we're going to launch this subscription offering, somebody to keep track of all things Vision Cypher related, as well as our dev team um, was really important. 
we currently outsource our development to a, a company that I had used previously um, when I was a CTO of the, the company that I co-founded, GoSpace. So I had originally written the AI algorithms behind there that are now patented and that kind of thing, and then was acting CTO. So I full well know how potentially painful it is to manage your own developers in-house, but also where that sort of ticking time bomb comes in terms of cash flow, because having in-house developers, you can't really turn them off, right? And so you always have to be making enough revenue to cover cover your costs of developers as well as you, you know, your core product team and your marketing team and those kinds of things. So I, right from the onset, had prioritized keeping in-house, you know, all of those things, kind of keeping the vision together, the, the, the operations together and the customer success together. Um, and as I had transitioned previously, our development, when I went to start Cypher uh, to an outsourcing agency and they did such an amazing job, I took them on to develop our Cypher platform. So I previously, um, over the past year, to get our platform live had been, you know, really the one interfacing with that team. And so now to have Paul uh, on board to be able to uh, look after that relationship, we'll just make sure that we don't drop any balls and we keep the Cypher vision in place, but also have the backlog of all the requests from all the team members <laughs> in his mind and, you know, outlined out so that we can prioritize as and when needed to to relay to that team. So it seemed like the perfect moment and we found the, the perfect person for the job. So I hope to share him with you in the future as well, <laughs> because he brings so much depth of knowledge to our team and the, the he's only been with us um, for three days and the team is already <laughs> ranting about how amazing he is at processes and understanding their problems and taking that vision forward and being on the Cypher team. So. Oh, that's, that's fantastic. It's fantastic to hear. Um, I mean, you guys very much sound like a product led growth style business, um, which is what, you know, at the PLA, we, we speak to a lot. Would you agree with that? Or, I mean, does that feel authentic for your business? Yeah, I think um, that is really interesting because that for me is where um, Cypher has focused from day one. I think one of the really impressive things that um, we have behind us is not only our, our strong brand, but that focus on the product and making it the best that it can be, which uh, sees itself come to fruition when it when we have those sort of uh, amazing st statistics around referrals and things like that, because we know that our product is at the heart of everything we do and therefore pr proliferates down to everything that is Cypher. Um, I think now we have the opportunity to focus on the other side of sales, which we haven't even really done today. I think all of our customer acquisitions and marketing is always focused around how amazing our product is and what it is we're offering and why we're offering it, which is why we've built this strong brand and why we're really now in the best place to be able to scale that globally because we have such a solid foundation. So I would highly recommend always having that product first kind of mentality when, because it, it filters down to everything all through to marketing and distribution and how you execute from day to day. 
Absolutely. Yeah. And I think that's one of the things that would be interesting to hear you talk a little bit about is kind of your channel strategy, right? Of taking your product and leveraging it across some new channels. Cause I know that's part of the, if we were to think about, you know, what's next versus the, the longer term future, I know that's an ambition you guys have. Thinking about our um, core IP, it not only resides in our platform, which has a lot of amazing algorithms behind it in terms of managing um, how to actually operate a camp-like environment, which there's no sort of off-the-shelf product or software out there that can do that. So, you know, that's that's one piece. But I think the core focus is actually on how can we leverage this content and this amazing content that we've had. And so right now, you know, it's sort of taking from, from the higher level of delivering our courses via Cypher, but then what's the next level down? What are the other... Um, channel strategies we have for reselling our content to teachers and are all the way down through uh, schools and governments because the UK is a great example because um, I don't know if you know but uh, computing is actually part of the national curriculum it came into effect in 2013 it definitely needs an update I would say but um, teachers aren't actually equipped with the knowledge to be able to deliver a computing curriculum in and of itself so it's still broken down into a very um, high level and vague key stage one, key stage two, key stage three targets. Um, that's where I think Cypher has a real opportunity to be able to filter that amazing content down from top level, high brand, teacher led, small courses with your friends to potentially next level resources for um, learning yourself at home. And then next level of being able to train teachers and allow teachers to deliver this uh, throughout throughout the, the UK and further abroad. Yeah, well, and I hope it'll go abroad too. I mean, I also am an American living in London. And I mean, I just, when we were you know speaking, I was thinking back to my middle school experience of typing class, like, which it dates me, but, um, you know, having to learn how many words per minute to type. And, you know, that class was, sure, it was useful for me, but I mean, you know, I would hope that um, there's an opportunity to slot into that, you know, point in a child's schedule, something like what Cypher Coders is doing, because it, as you've said, is so fundamental. And there's already the structure of being in the classroom, having the dedicated time to learn. So I think your distribution model of maybe partnering with schools and governments seems really exciting. Yeah. And I think um, you mentioned the the globalization and we're already receiving, we're, we're starting to scale into the US. We're already receiving 8% of our revenue from the US alone. And where we're actually seeing real traction there is through the homeschooling market. So it is kind of, again, like you're mentioning, supplementing the actual in-school curriculum. I am with you. I remember that typing course like it was yesterday. <laughs> um, but we also, I think the advantage that Cyber has is that we can be within the curriculum and computing should be within the curriculum. You should have math. You should have English slash language and then computing should be right along there with it. At the same time, we're still in that in-between and transition into education and computing can actually go right down to the liberal arts and the kind of extracurricular activity zone. So that's where we have, again, a huge opportunity because what do children do after school? Well, they want to have fun. And that's where our creative themes really come into play because we get kids, particularly from the U.S., that are so engaged with our content because 
they, our shark chase game, as an example, has gone viral because kids love sharks. And so they come onto the course, they learn a bit about sharks, and then they make a shark chase game and they're learning core computing concepts along the way. It's sort of like, you know, sliding the broccoli in to the cake and they don't know they're actually eating broccoli. <laughs> <laughs> you know, you know, the code. <laughs> I thought that was maybe another game that they learned, slide the broccoli, but no, I understand the metaphor. <laughs> Trying to get my kids to eat broccoli here. <laughs> yes. I, I mean, based on what you've been able to do with coding, I have no doubt that you'll be successful in that. Uh, so um, I, I, I look forward to hearing how that goes. I think the, the other thing that you talked about, and you kind of started to tap into this with the after-school education here, but that sounded really compelling to me too. Again, kind of putting myself in the mind of where I was when I was a, a kid is, you know, doing these after-school courses, you know, um, for me, potentially being a pretty shy kid. So the idea of being put into a uh, setting with a bunch of kids I didn't know wasn't the most exciting thing. But one of the things that you've said you guys are really getting a lot of demand from your customers is and is on your roadmap is how to enable basically instead of one to one, this kind of AI led one to many. Uh, talk to us about that. Yeah, yeah, that's a, a great point. And I think if you think about it, like from your standpoint, as you were just saying, coming to something with your friends is going to make it so much more exciting, so much more fun. But actually, it's a really hard model to crack. Um, and this, again, comes back to my experience previously with dynamic resource allocation, which is all about how do you actually get a, an infinite number of variables into a finite box and organized efficiently? It's a, it's a problem that goes across many industries. And so in our case, in Cypher's case, you think about it, you have kids varying in ages from six to 12, let's say. You have a number of kids with their schedules. You have teachers, live teachers that also have schedules. Then you have their interests layered on top of that and how to teach them in a systematic way that fits into some sort of curriculum that we have very well defined behind, behind the scenes. That's a really hard problem to crack, and that's what we've cracked at Cypher. Most of the competition, for, for example, um, Indian-based White Hat Junior is a good uh, uh, benchmark. They um, were acquired last year for 300 million US, and they're a one-to-one -one model because it's very difficult to match, say, five kids with one teacher logistically, and let alone in terms of what they're also learning. Um, and that really is the core IP behind our platform and behind what we're doing at Cypher, which really allows us to take the market and to scale. So again, it's that obsession behind the, the, the product and the platform side of the product and how we actually make that so that we can enable in the future, for example, educating all of these kids with an AI teacher as well, because we've done it so many times at, with a live teacher, but they're actually in a virtual world and they're playing with their friends. It's you know, if you look at the behaviors and the patterns of our children today and how they engage and use screen time, which is one of the things that I'm always engaging with our parents about, they're already playing educational, potentially educational games with their friends. Take Roblox, for example, and they're playing Royal High and then now it's time to go to gym class and they're pretending to swim. It's a very small step from there, in my mind, to then actually educate them. So keeping in mind where education is going as well as where children are inherently gravitating towards with their interactions with technology is the most important thing for keeping the roadmap of our product on, on track and the, the vision 
clear and strong. That makes sense. It really does. It really does. So uh, Elizabeth, I'm curious because as you said, um, in the very beginning, or I actually said in the intro, you're a mom of three. How do your children influence your product? <laughs> That's a great question. Very, they influence it very much so. Um, I mean, I've been teaching children how to code for seven years. My son is 12, so it really started with him when he was five. He now runs his own YouTube channel. He took over our TikTok channel for Cypher randomly in the summer, he's like, mom, I'm just going to post some videos for you and do some tagging. And I think we had posted one video on TikTok before. So he started posting videos. His first video got a thousand likes. I'm like, great, Jaden, this is great. I'll, I'll give you $5 because we were in the U.S. at this time. Every thousand likes you get. Oh, well, that was a disaster. Then he started, he got one for 5,000, then 8,000. We're getting all these views. I mean, this is you know, their land, their world. And, you know, he's on our Discord channel chatting to my team and saying, you guys should use these kinds of hashtags and things like that. So it's it's having that little uh, connection. And my daughter, Ocean, who's 10, she's um, come to Cypher courses, basically, she says her whole life. Um, she did change her name uh, in Cypher to be Nico, which is ocean spelled backwards because, you know, we talk about internet safety and, you know, not putting your name out there and your, where you live and all this kind of stuff. And she, you know, has been our poster child one too many times, <laughs> but the best part is, is now that I have a two-year-old Rose, I actually almost am, you know, testing all of these screen time limitations and boundaries with a two-year-old. And that's a whole nother level of excitement and, shock and awe really as to what they can actually comprehend and understand with the technology at such a young age. So it is really my, my life that it really filters and flows into everything Cypher. And that's the beautiful thing about our team as well, because we have a lot of um, mothers on the team and parents on the team, and they bring all of their experiences into Cypher. And even, you know, some of our, our young people on the team that aren't, aren't quite at the family age yet, we're always bringing what's relevant in the world around us into Cypher and making sure that we're on track with what's important to people in their lives. And I think that's why we were also so successful in the pandemic, because we were so tuned into the kind of stresses that parents had on them having to work and educate. And so just really always keeping true to that um, human interaction and what's important to humans behind the scenes. And then how technology fits into that has always been the focus, really. I, it's amazing to hear you speak about how um, how you leverage two things. One, you know, people who are part of the company who identify with the mission from being firsthand, right, being parents. But also, I love how you speak about tapping into the youth and uh, you know having a twelve year old son who's running your TikTok is amazing. But I mean, that idea of like infusing what's actually happening um, and really kind of bringing that youth and that perspective into the business is something that I think so many more businesses should and um, could benefit from doing. Maybe not 12 years old, that's not legal, but you know my point, right? Like hearing more from the younger generations of we, you know, what problems to focus on and how to approach focusing on those problems. Has it been, uh, you know, the fact that so much of your team is a, you know, a parent themselves, has that been something that just kind of happened naturally because people identify with the problem you're working on, or is it something that you actually, you know, value when you're hiring? Like how did that 
come to pass? Um, I mean, that's a, that's a great question. And I have been asked that question quite a few times, particularly by recruiters, because they're not actually sure how I have so many women on my team and working mothers. Um, and I think it goes back to networking and always just putting, putting yourself out there. So I have to admit a lot of my first hires, uh, were my friends that I met at baby classes with my kids. And, you know, I think the interesting thing about working moms is a lot of women today take time off to start a family. Um, and that can vary between four months or four years before they go to primary, primary school. And that makes it very challenging for them to re-enter the workforce sometimes. And as a startup, I really always try to encourage other startups to look at the potential of hiring working mothers because you get, first of all, the, the benefit of a lot of experience behind the scenes. You know, our, our chief personnel officer had 15 years at JP Morgan. And so like to have her on board is amazing. Um, just all of that wealth of knowledge, but she also doesn't want to work more than one day a week. But as a startup, you don't actually need more than one day a week personnel person anyway. So you then have to make these decisions of which parts of your team could be, you know, held by junior members of staff, or do you need more senior input at which point you probably can't afford to hire a full-time senior person until you're ready for that scale up, you know, where we are with Cypher now, which is really exciting, taking on more full-time senior leadership positions. But until you reach that point, um, you know, reaching out to, to moms that want to get back into work just part-time is great. And also I'd have to say, and I mean, this is a biased opinion because I am a working mother, but working mothers are very efficient with time management and therefore they are extremely efficient. If you give them two days, it's like you've gotten four days out of them because they know exactly when they're turned on to their hours. There's no extra, you know, coffee breaks or chit chats or those kinds of things. So they, you get a, you get a lot of amazing quality work from them as well. So I would highly encourage it. You know, that's a bit on uh, off topic on <laughs> to hiring practices, but totally. No, <laughs> I think it's absolutely relevant. And especially as you say, for companies who are in the, in the startup phase, it's such a wealth of knowledge that is untapped, as you say, and there's a great potential to unlock that value in a way that works for the women who don't want to work in a full nine to five, 40, 40 hour work week, um, but still do something meaningful and be able to work on some really interesting creative problems. So I'm glad we took that diversion. It's uh, well <laughs> worth it. Well worth it. Okay. So last question for you and your answer was so good. Uh, I'm only going to ask you once, but we ask this to everybody who comes on the pod and it's always about if there was a museum dedicated to the world's best or most important products, what would you advocate should be on display there and why? And your answer was just too perfect knowing you having gotten to know you and your history and more about Cypher. So tell us, what would it be? Yes. Well, I did mention my gamer geekiness momentarily. So my answer was the Nintendo, making sure that it was that original system in my mind. <laughs> Absolutely. As another, uh, as another, uh, you know, uh, 70s, 80s kid who loved Nintendo, I can still think of the opening music and how many uh, hours I spent playing it. So it's a great gateway um, that, as you say, really makes the the whole world of technology 
much more palatable um, to a wider audience. And I have no doubt that Cypher is going to be that version of that for today. So it's been really, really cool to hear about your business and hear about what you guys are doing. Well, thank you so much for having me, Tiama. It was so fun to just chat through everything. And I hope I could have added some bits and pieces of knowledge for someone on the on the podcast to hear. Oh, I have no doubt. I think there is a lot of pearls of wisdom and we'll all be following along. And potentially, actually, if, if, uh, if we have, uh, you know, people who are interested in having their kids attend Cypher, what's the best way to do that? Absolutely. Just uh, check out our website or just Google Cypher Coders and you'll find us. And any questions, just shoot us an email. We have a great team behind us. Happy to help any parents out there. So please look us up. Awesome. Okay. Code on. Thanks. Thanks. Thanks for listening to the podcast, guys. Be sure to share the word of product-led growth far and wide and let your colleagues, friends, family, neighbors, and anyone you think who would like to know that there's a kick-ass product podcast on offer from the product-led audience. If you haven't already, don't forget to sign up to the Slack community and check out all our other great content, upcoming events, and other ways to get involved at productledalliance.com. And let's come back again next time to talk